Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Alexis, codenamed Doc Holiday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. We always like to say you are here because we hope you are, and we are very excited today to introduce you to several of our fellow conspiracy realists. We are going to uh, we're, we're going to talk about the possibilities of time travel, which is always a trip for us. Check out our earlier episodes on that. There's some fantastic news that uh, one of our one of our pals has hipped us to. Uh, we're also going to talk horror movies because we love them. We exist in the land of eternal Halloween and have no regrets nor compunctions about that. Uh, but before we do any of that, Matt, Noel, codename Doc. Ben. Oh, okay, cool. Also, we had a we had a lot of people. I think we hit a porcine nerve when uh, we talked about super pigs. <laughs> that took a minute. Sorry, Por- <laughs> yeah. porcine. Right? Doesn't sound like yeah. pig, but that's what relating, it means. To, relating to pork. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so why don't we open up with an excellent series of emails from one fellow conspiracy realist who chooses to go by the code name Jägermeister, and before we. Before we get into this, uh, got to tell you, but you brought up some really intense sense memories when we heard your code name, because Jägermeister is a period in our collective lives that I, I, I don't think any of us are in a hurry to relive. <laughs> <laughs> sense memory, indeed. 
Yeah. Get that taste out of my mouth. I know. I remember, um, I remember personally many years ago, I was dating a girl whose father looked exactly like Charles Manson, and he lived in a little trailer in a rural airfield. It was a very different time. And uh, his thing was Jägermeister. And so we could hang out and drink. I'm going to be honest, we were not uh, drinking age. We could hang out and drink with this guy, but only if we drank Jägermeister or Goldschlager, which he would accept oh. as a substitute. Yeah, That should be considered a crime against humanity. Well, it's definitely a crime to give underage children booze in general. <laughs> adding insult to injury, you know? I mean, <laughs> something, give them something good. <laughs> this is why I don't talk too much about my personal life. I feel like everything I say just makes things sound increasingly sketchy. But, uh, but with this in mind, Jägermeister, we're going to go with your code name, and we invite you to explore other alcoholic spirits. You know, the world is yours. Be the change, bro. Okay, so here's what Jägermeister says. Hey guys, first off, just wanted to say I love the show. My name is Hunter, or codename Jägermeister. Feel free to use either name. Honestly, respectfully, I think we're probably going to go with Hunter. Uh, I recently got into listening to podcasts at work, and you all's is one of the first I found. I am a heavy equipment operator, so I'm able to listen to about five to six hours worth of episodes a day, and I have officially purchased my first vacation home in the rabbit hole. Pretty neat. Got a timeshare there myself. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and so Hunter says, anyways, the reason I'm emailing you all is because I just listened to the strange news segment about super pigs. I live in Oklahoma, and the wild pig problem is out of hand. We've got about 1,500 acres of land in southeast Oklahoma that we use primarily for hunting, fishing, camping, etc. On the property, we have five pig traps, which uh, Hunter has emailed us photos of these. Uh, we have about five pig traps equipped with game cameras that are connected to an antenna that will send an image straight to our cell phones anytime there is movement. The coolest part is that the traps are connected as well. So, for instance, if we are at home, which is 70 miles or so away, and we receive an image of pigs in the trap, we're able to drop the trap and contain them with the push of a button. Side note, this is something we'll go back to when we're talking about this. Usually, says Hunter, we place a pile of corn in the middle of the trap, and it's not unusual to trap 30 to 40 pigs at a time. At this point, it's just a matter of whoosh, whoosh, disposing of the pigs in the easiest way possible. Some people may see this as harsh, but if you ever come into contact with one of the larger pigs that have four to five inch tusk, I feel you'll change your mind pretty quick. Just to show how bad it is, we trapped and killed over 300 hogs from our property alone each year for the past three years. It's 900 pigs for those of us playing along at home. They cause tremendous amounts of damage to the terrain, to crops, to wildlife, and desperately need to be eradicated. I'll share some pictures for reference in a separate email to put this into perspective. Like I said, I love the show, and you guys do a great job covering all sorts of topics, keeping it interesting. Well, thank you, Hunter. First off, first questions. When we were talking about super pigs, did you guys do any any digging any like uh, any rooting? Yeah, any truffle for rooting super pig truffles after yeah. after we talked about this. Yeah, I sent well, my dogs out and they were unsuccessful. It was uh, you who let the dogs out. I, it oh, was me. Matt. In fact, it was Matt. me. I take full responsibility 
Uh, yeah. You gotta be careful with them dogs. Uh, the guys I, I reference a lot, and I always forget their individual names, but the internet today, mm. YouTube guys who are mm-hmm. awesome, they did a kind of follow up on the story and talked about, I think, seeing some footage, or maybe it was just a description from a hunter who like unloaded on one of these things and yeah. like it just kind of kept running at them. <laughs> like they finally did uh, manage to kill one of them, but it's like they're so fatty and their hide is so, um, you know, tough mm-hmm. that they practically can deflect bullets. Right, right. Which we talk about a little bit in our previous strange news segment on this, the sheer tenacity and toughness of these creatures. Of course, I've said it before. We've all said it before on the show. We pretty much love to some degree every living organism. You know, um, some things aren't our favorites. You know, I know sloths creep some people out. Noel doesn't cotton the birds. Uh, and I, you know, I feel sorry for possums. I'll say it. That's a weird one. But, but these animals are a huge threat to the North American continent. And our pal, Hunter, codenamed Jägermeister, hit us up with photographs of some recently killed hogs on their land and uh, also showed us a picture of the trap. And when Hunter sent us the next email, they said, these are pictures of a hog I killed from a deer blind. Uh, for anybody who's not familiar with hunting, that is a spot where you can, you can set up and wait for the prey to come to you. Hunter says, yeah, you're not blind. The deer is blind. Right. <laughs> <to your presence. laughs> right. Right. Uh, and Hunter does something that we love, which is giving us photographic evidence with a clear way to get a sense of perspective. So Hunter says, just for reference, that's my size 13 boot next to this animal's head. I am a large man, six foot three, 350 pounds. And it took everything I had to drag it into the woods. My best estimate would be that this weighs between 350 and 400 pounds. To your question earlier, Noel, they are extremely tough animals. Hunter says it took three shots to kill this hog. And two of those were headshots. And it just kept going. That's insane. I mean, again, we referenced Game of Thrones, I think, uh, or Song of Ice and Fire in the previous discussion about this, too, because that's what killed, spoiler alert, I guess, uh, Robert Baratheon. He was an avid boar hunter. And, yeah, I mean, those things are no joke, even like the regular ones. He got stove in in that show. He, <laughs> he got, got stove. Yeah. Yes, I love yeah, that. Yeah, he got stove. But the, uh, the issue is that we've received correspondence from multiple people across multiple platforms who are saying, yes, this is a real problem. And I went over on Twitter when I I, I saw a couple of friends on there saying that they feel like they owe an apology to that 40 to 50 feral hogs guy from so long ago. And you know what? We mentioned this previously, but you know what, folks? That apology might be deserved at this point because these things are a menace and not in a cool, wholesome Dennis the Menace way. Like there really is, um, there really are, I should say, symptoms of tremendous ecological shifts on a, on a paradigm level. And these creatures are part of it. I, I, I feel like it's very cold to say that they have to be eradicated, but I don't know about you, Matt, Noel, codename Doc. I am tempted to agree with Hunter here. 
tempted, uh, indeed, um, perhaps convinced. Yeah, yeah, these things seem absolutely terrifying. We had on the ground reports uh, I saw about just how quick they are as well, because they're quite clever. So there are some um, there are some forms of traps that are not fast enough to catch them. Uh, the way I heard it described by one person with experience who doesn't want to go on record was that they they had kind of like a corral. Or what was it? You mentioned it last time, last week, Matt. The the Judas. Yeah, the Judas the Ju- pig. Yeah. So apparently the Judas pig thing is still kind of dodgy because when that when that trap drops, the group of uh super pigs is fast enough and alert enough to immediately pivot and a lot Mm. of them escape before the thing drops. So like one, they see one frame of movement and they're out the door. Wow. That's impressive reaction time. The Judas pig was just sending in a rogue pig, right? To to find them all. Okay. And then there's a a specific trap that you would use to get, you have to get, you have to get the group. And Mm. um, like we said previously in our uh, weekly strange news segment, we're hitting the road for some stuff. That's a bit of a secret project as, as a group, a series of secret projects. Uh, so we're going to keep this a little bit short, but keep your super pig stories coming. Tell us about more invasive species. And we do have to give one bit of regrettable news for, for all of us who had the same question when you were listening last week. Is the bacon good? Now, I know that's a petty question because we're talking about ecological collapse. We're talking about the very dangerous invasive species, but we are, you know, we're bacon lovers. So we asked that question and everybody who has written to us has answered unanimously. There is a consensus. We'll go to Hunter again. Do not eat the pigs. The meat is super tough. It tastes horrible. It has a smell that is, quote, amazingly off-putting. So we're not even getting bacon Oof. out of this. This is why the earlier crow. Yeah. Are you, you, yeah. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Of course we're getting bacon out of this. Look, if, we, <laughs> if it comes down to it, that gamey uh-huh. off-putting smell and taste is going to be delicious to you. I promise. I mean, I've eaten durian. Actually, oh. they're, well, doesn't durian taste good? It just smells gross. It's the smell mainly. It's the smell. Um, and actually, I wouldn't be surprised if as COVID removed a lot of people's olfactory abilities if durian became more popular and hey matt i think we're on the same page once super covid's here that's going to be the best thing you've ever tasted in your life i promise (laughs) so so, uh this also reminds me one more question folks tell us your invasive species stories because i've i've been looking into this the pig story really it got to me man uh and i started looking at the history of invasive species like starlings in the United States, certain types of fish and so on. And I think about this when I'm abroad and I see countries having very, very strict laws about what can be taken in or out of their environments. And I'm starting to think there's a stuff they don't want you to know episode here. But for that, we need your help. Let us know about invasive species in your neck of the global woods. And, uh, you know, let us know the weirdest thing you've ever eaten. Because I, I think it's safe to say we're omnivores right here. Did you mm-hmm. guys ever have any any lines, any dietary lines where you said, no, 
I'm not going to try it. Nah. I mean, I've, I've started to think a little bit better of eating cephalopods just because they're, you know, so intelligent and they feel pain. Uh, I mean, I'm sure most species feel pain, but uh, it, it seems a bit on the cruel side. So uh, and no more pulpo for me. Yeah, I hate it. The la- I remember the exact day. The last day I ate an octopus was, I think, that yesterday. Was actually March. Oh, no, sorry. It was, it was March 20. It was March 2019. Um, now, if you have to eat something to survive, then I'm of the mind that you absolutely should. Taboos be damned. But, but if you can avoid it, yeah, that's nice. What about you, Matt? What's a weird thing you've eaten? Weird thing I've eaten. Uh, Ooh, honestly, do it as a musical. Yeah. I- I don't uh I don't have many things to say honestly. I kind of steer clear of the stuff that is off-putting to me. That doesn't mean I'm not an adventurous eater cuz I love new flavors and new combinations. Like the spice. That's yeah. for sure. Oh, but, yeah. uh, I'm not down I don't I don't know. I I'm okay with being a little bit ignorant of like delicacies of other cultures. I'm I'm kind of okay with that. Sure. And the reason Noel is is referencing the spice is because we've been on the road together and we've seen Matt negotiate with restaurants to make sure that they understand he can take the full amount of heat. Happened on Monday. I went and got uh, some, what do they call Poblano Rellenos? I think mm-hmm. is what they Chili's call it. Chili's Yeah, It is Chili Rellenos, but it was mm-hmm. a specific type at this restaurant yeah. near me. And I talked to the guy who I think was the manager, maybe part owner. We were just talking and... He's like, oh, you like spicy stuff, huh? I was like, yeah. And he said, I just made this this special oil and spice mixture, and I'm going to give you some. Like, okay, that sounds awesome. Leave, wait for a little while, come back in, pick up my food. He gives me one of these small like uh, mason jars. It's a tiny okay. little mason jar, and it is filled to the brim with chili oil and peppers and stuff. Ooh. Uh-huh. Guys. Sweating just thinking about it. Yeah, did it you was, try it? It was heaven. It was amazing. <laughs> Hell. <laughs> it is also amazing to, I don't know about you, Noel, but for me, it's amazing to to watch Matt eat spicy food. It's like very, um, tears yeah. fall, the mucus comes out, and I'm just smiling. Yeah, you look weirdly <laughs> like you got a rictus grin, or you look mm. very stoic. Oh, I and love then, it. And will send us messages from beyond the Scoville scale. You'd be a great Hot Ones guest, Matt. Yeah, no, agreed, agreed. Except That's for a great the part idea. where you have to be interviewed about interesting stuff you've done. Because, <laughs> whoops, sorry. Oh come on! But I can only break. <laughs> oh what? A, you know what? We're going to we're going to an ad break, and if the uh, if the super pigs don't get us, we'll be back with more messages from you. <laughs> they like bust through the door. <laughs> That's all. That's how we end the episode. <laughs> They're huge, okay. man. It's scary. Yeah. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. 
In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpert. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, then look no further than the Marketing School podcast hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast in the United States and number 15 on business in the United States. And it has amazing guests such as Alex Hormozzi, Layla Hormozzi, Cody Sanchez. We pull in these amazing interviews with other people that are not only great marketers, but actual operators. And the icing on the cake is Neil and myself were also operators as well. So we share learnings from the trenches. We share secrets that we otherwise wouldn't be sharing with other people. And we also share other advantages that will help you get ahead of your competition. So all you have to do is listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. And we're going to a message sent to us from, I guess we call this person Sammy. Okay. Yep. It's a message Mm -hmm. from Sammy. Uh, And Sammy, I'm going to read the little insert you put at the top of this message because I think it's funny and we're going to analyze it. Quote, insert, I believe this email account's nominal purpose is to make Google's information scratching software as suspicious as possible about who I'm emailing. That's, of course, a reference to conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. I remember remember you, Sammy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, uh, oh, we're just going to send an email to a thing called conspiracy at something. Oh, boy. All right. Well, that was not the purpose. It was a shortened version of stuff they don't want you to know that wasn't also stididwick at Gmail or whatever. (laughs) Stididwick to our earlier conversation about acronyms. Mm -hmm. You know, who are we to judge at this point? Exactly. Stididwick. So yeah, conspiracy at at iheartradio.com is what you got. Uh, You're continuing here, Sammy. Anyway... Australian and Spanish scientists have discovered how to manipulate time for subatomic particles. Mind you, it's nothing as buckwild as conventional time travel, but I believe we're seeing the birth of a brand new technological field. And then Sammy sent us two articles, a popular mechanics article. Uh, We'll start there and then we'll go to the next one. The popular mechanics article is titled, Scientists Discovered How to Speed Up Time. Seriously. Seriously. We can reverse it, too. That's the subtitle. Uh, It's written by Darren Orff. It was published on the 23rd of February, 2023. Guys, Hmm. we are entering into a realm here, much like the time crystals, much like other subatomic particle topics that we've covered in the past that are just beyond 
my meager understanding of the world, its physics, how everything functions. But we're going to try and get through this one because this is a fascinating topic. Sammy, thank you for bringing this to our attention. Thank you, Sam. I'm going to start with a bit of an analogy here. And it's something that is done in popular mechanics because it did help me get a bit of an understanding. Imagine the way a film works, a movie, when you go to the movie theater. You are sitting in a theater and the film is just projected in front of you. The film begins at its starting point, wherever that reel is, the first previews, or the, the entire movie itself, depending on how many reels it is. It plays out through its entirety, and then it ends after the credits, and it's done. Okay? All right. Imagine that is time as we experience it. Uh, moving, Just moving forward through it, it begins when you're born. That's when your time starts, or it really it begins the moment you're formed as an egg, which, you know, we don't want to take this too far, but you were always in your mother the entire time she was uh, alive. Hey, watch <laughs> and then it. it goes back all the way. <laughs> and hey. if you think about it too hard, your brain's going to break a little bit. But uh, time for you begins when you are born and it ends when you die. Right. And it's one thing. That's it. That's how you get to experience it. Defined as the time you can observe personally. Right? Yes. Uh, the way the way we experience it. Right. As humans. Uh, so that's that. That's a movie theater. That's time for us. Now imagine watching something on a streaming service like a Netflix or a Peacock, if you will. With that, you want to watch the same movie that we were just talking about in the theater. Let's say Evil Dead 2. That movie is now on Netflix for you and you can begin it. You can pause it if you want to and it just stays right there in that state until you're ready to continue. You could rewind, watch something else, see it in a different state. You could fast forward. Watch the ending first if you wanted to. See how it ends. And then go back to the beginning and watch that part. You have control over time, essentially, in this, in this way. This is what scientists have figured out how to do with subatomic particles that are quantumly linked, I think. Shut quantumly up. entangled. Entangled. Get out of town. Entangled. Yeah. Okay. My brain already hurts. You guys probably don't understand what the heck I'm talking about. I know I'm not coherent right now. Uh, see, I, you can tell by the beep that I just made, guys. Um, we could just try and read some of this and see if it sticks. Yeah, let's give everybody a couple of guardrails here because mm -hmm. this, this gets really weird really quickly. So you beautifully established quantum entanglement, which is true uh, and is a, is a known thing. We should also establish that time gets very tricky at very, very small scales. And this is where the problem of observation comes in, right? Everybody's heard the old, the old science experiment where light functions as a wave or a series of particles depending on it, you know, if someone is looking at it, which is nuts. Uh, but in quantum mechanics, observing a system can cause it to change just by the nature of a focused consciousness on that, which I know sounds crazy and very woo-woo, but it's also very true-true. Mm. No, I don't like it. Eh, no, I do. It. Whatever. Come on, uh, come on, uh, come whatever. on. Whatever. All right. Okay, Matt. So we got our guide rails. What's what's going on here? What what does everybody need to know when they want to rewind time and not be uh, late for work? Um. Okay. Oh, wait, are, are we there yet? 
No, I don't know. I don't right. know anything. The flat circle is just not as flat as I thought it was. Uh, okay. So there are a bunch of researchers. One of the researchers is Miguel Navascus, which uh, this person is with the OAW, which is the Austrian Academy of Sciences. Okay. Um, we're also dealing with the University of Vienna and a few other groups that are doing all this stuff. These researchers, I'm going to directly quote from this article here from Darren North. The researchers achieved this, this thing, being able to manipulate time within a quantum system by, quote, evolving a single photon as it passes through a crystal using an experimental device called a quantum switch the single photon of light returns to its previous state before it ever makes the journey through the crystal. Hmm. What? What? Darren continues, uh, in a way, this is less Doc Brown style time travel and more about reverting or otherwise altering the states of quantum particles or, quote, time translation. Ooh. What the what? hell, guys? I don't... Uh, <laughs> okay all right so is this related to time dilation as well is that like the opposite sure it's the exact same thing i have no idea Uh, no i don't know i just just, it's a term i've heard i just thought i'd throw it out there uh (laughs) this is that timey-wimey stuff dr who was talking about huh oh god it gets weirder guys continuing from darren's article in quantum mechanics simply observing a system causes it to change would make which makes it impossible to track a system's progress through time well, then how do we know that this is what happened? Okay, crucially, these rewinding protocols still work because they can be performed without knowing what the changes were or its internal dynamics, according to the scientists. Also, according to the scientists, cheese isn't real. No, I'm just joking. Uh, <laughs> oh, <I love> birds. <laughs> no, they're there. They're out there. Look up the harpy eagle if you are scared of birds. It looks like a dude in a suit dressed as a bird. But um, okay, It makes me have- feel so dumb, guys. Well, we we're right there with you. no one here on this show right now is a physicist. We may have some in the audience, and if you are a conspiracy realist uh, who has experience in physics and quantum mechanics, please feel free to write in and and help us put this in more understandable terms. Like help us out. Uh, we do, by way, speaking of scientists here, uh, Matt, I do think it's important for us to avoid some of the mistakes that pop science makes in reporting, because you can see these kind of breathless, hyperbolic headlines at times. But I think it's crucial for us to note, from my understanding at least, the scientists involved in this research are not trying to specifically prove that these subatomic particles, these neutrinos, are traveling faster than the speed of light. They're trying to figure out why their data looks so weird. Is that correct? Like, they haven't made any crazy, crazy claims other than, you know, the claims you just outlined, which are pretty crazy for me and also brain-breaking. Yeah. Um, man, I don't know. Here, here's another thing from this same article. This is an example that's given by these researchers. Let's say you've got 10 of these quantum systems that they've built, right? 10 of mm-hmm. them. Each one of those 10 is running an experiment, that's going to run for 10 years, nonstop. It's going to run this, this experiment for 10 years. 
They're saying in this system, if you wanted to have one of those 10-year-long experiments run for 10 years within the span of one year, so basically accelerate the time of that system, they could theoretically pull one year from each of the other nine systems and funnel it into the one system so that this one system essentially evolves or runs that experiment uh, for the span of 10 years, just condensed into one actual human year, which uh, so I I understood some of those words. Yeah. yeah, Okay. So theoretically all this is really doing, it's in the uh, final paragraph of this article. The point isn't jetting off to the distant future of 2015, as in like going back to the future to 2015, but the ability to increase the capability of quantum processors by arming them with the possibility of reversing errors in a system. Now, that's really interesting to me. So if we're talking about a quantum computing system, right, and it's running, doing a bunch of processes, going, 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 and it made an error or a couple of errors, the idea that it could somehow the system itself could somehow go back in time while it's still processing up here, you know, at the leading edge of time, it can go back and fix those processes simultaneously or something like that. Maybe that's a super dumbing down of what's being said here, but I don't freaking know. I'm just, no, you know what? I need to, I need to correct myself as well here, man, because I'm realizing now that I, I was referring to a, different experiment which is older in this uh in this series of experiments our austrian friends have proven that it's possible to accelerate decelerate and reverse the flow of time so they they got there uh this is okay so the weird thing is this is still exploration of the natural world right just at a very very small level like they're observing processes that have already been occurring. They didn't make something new. They just figured out how to see it. Is that correct? Sure. What is a quantum switch? <laughs> Stop. We listen. This is a call. This is a call to uh, physicists out there. Does anyone specialize in this? Can anyone dumb this down for some some guys who? Honestly, I feel like we have some pretty intellectual conversations about complicated and complex stuff, but I still can't wrap my head around We're, this at all. Yeah, I don't know about you guys. I I am um, always trying to learn more about something, and I'm transparent here when I say this is still hard, at least for me, to grasp. So if you are an expert in the potential of quote-unquote time travel with subatomic particles, uh, please do us a favor and send us an email before we record uh, this episode. Yep. Yeah, please. God, please. Ah, please. Uh, this This feels like the kind of research and understanding of the physical world and, you know, subatomic world that happens right before everything collapses, you know, because it's collapsed like seven times before this. Oh, um, yeah. I think this is what happens every time. Oh, you know what? Yeah. Experts, send us an email before we record this conversation. Oh, dude. <laughs> right. All right. Well, that's look, that's all I've got, guys. I'm sorry. Sammy, we failed you. Uh, well, let's uh, let's point to another article here you can find in El Pais. Uh <laughs> Uh, P-L-E-L space P-A-I-S, very uh, big 
journalism outlet here. It's in their science and tech. In English, it is titled, We have made science fiction come true. Scientists prove particles in a quantum system can be rejuvenated. And so can dreams. Yes. Be rejuvenated and also come true. That's it. Uh, Here are our sponsors. (laughs) Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpert. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, My name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, then look no further than the Marketing School podcast hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast in the United States and number 15 on business in the United States. And it has amazing guests such as Alex Hormozzi, Layla Hormozzi, Cody Sanchez. We pull in these amazing interviews with other people that are not only great marketers, but actual operators. And the icing on the cake is Neil and myself were also operators as well. So we share learnings from the trenches. We share secrets that we otherwise wouldn't be sharing with other people. And we also share other advantages that will help you get ahead of your competition. So all you have to do is listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we've returned uh, for a, a fun a fun thing we're going to do that Ben teased earlier. Um, we're going to hear from a listener, but then we're going to open up the conversation to talk a little bit about the spooky movies that uh, we all like. It's kind of perma-Halloween here, uh, like Ben said, at Stuff They Don't Want You to Know. Let me pull up this here email uh, from Joe, who says, Hi, everyone. I'm sure this is probably already on your radars if you're horror movie fans, but I just finished the episode you did on sleep paralysis uh, and shadow people and other fun sleep stuffs. If you haven't seen it yet, I highly recommend the film Skinamarink. Uh, It plays like a fever dream when you're a little kid. It goes to some pretty horrifying places involving small kids, so parents for sure beware. But it is one of the more unique horror movies I've seen in a while. Boy, howdy, it's a tough watch, but really good, I think. 
Love the show. It keeps me company during the day. Love, peace, and cash. That's cool. <laughs> I'll take some of that. Uh, Joe. Um, ben, I believe you saw Skinamarink. I've been hearing a lot about it, mm-hmm. um, both good and bad, uh, which is, I think, the case for a lot of sort of odder or maybe unusual horror films, like one that I really like called Everyone's Going to the World's Fair. People either loved it or hated it. It was kind of lo-fi webcammy stuff. And I think this one is kind of looks a little bit like uh, Paranormal Activities, but it is about some kids that wake up in a pretty horrifying situation where like they, they, they don't have windows in their house anymore and their parents are gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You nailed it. So the, the primary figures are Kevin and Kaylee, two siblings. And the, the entire thing has a, a, a nightmarish fever dream vibe. Uh, don't want to ruin too much of it, but you you already have seen probably uh, some commentary on this folks about, analogs for child abuse and, and, and very, very disturbing, difficult, uh, difficult stuff. I can see how this would be divisive for some people. It's definitely not a film that you would just put on in the background and have fun with. Some people found it profoundly disturbing. Some people loved it. Some people found it uh, just sort of lackluster, but for anybody who has listened to our episodes on the nature of dreams, uh, this, I, I think this would be, this would be very interesting. I mean, we've been pretty fortunate, haven't we, uh, to have so much amazing horror coming out in recent years. Uh, are you, are you guys planning to see Skinnamarink? No, I'm not. I would not like to see it. it. No? Mm-mm. Little kid stuff kind of gets you. So it, I, my understanding is that there's some harm to children in it and, uh, I, I don't want to, I don't want to go through that. Understood. Yeah. But there, there's an interesting story here because the, um, the guy who created this Kyle Edward ball had a YouTube channel, or I think still has where people would comment and tell him about their nightmares. And then he would make short videos based on those stories. And I, I believe I haven't looked into it, but I believe Skinnamarink comes from that and the um, tier point null about it seeming kind of lo-fi for people, I think the budget was something like $15,000, which is huge for individual person, but very, very bootstrap and shoestring for a film. Actually, our <laughs> our super producer, codenamed Doc Holliday, is, when she's not slumming it with us, she is a, a big wheel in the world of production. So I think could probably confirm 15000 as a total budget for film is it's not that much right for a feature or for it's for a feature it's a feature yeah oh no that's, that's a micro nothing. budget yeah, yeah fifteen thousand. that's that's a, that's that's a, that's a fucking light that's a lens that's you know? like craft I mean, services it's one person yeah. with a camera that they already own and two kids that are just friends and want to make a fun movie with their pal <laughs> and like a cat pulling focus. Yep, definitely. <laughs> like a literal feline. <laughs> it really does remind me of like the, you know, kind of found footage craze that Ooh. got pretty annoying pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, obviously Paranormal Activities was made on a micro budget as well. I don't remember the exact number. I think it was probably more than that, though. But definitely uh, given the amount of money that movie made and how many, you know, offshoots it spawned and, and copycats. I mean, that was a huge deal. 
Um, this seems a lot more creative than Paranormal Activity. I'm not really a fan of those movies. Uh, I haven't seen it, so I can't really say. But um, it's interesting, though. I think some people, you know, horror fans in particular, can be a little bit petulant, uh, if I'm being completely honest, or or pedantic maybe is a better word. That's that's a much better word. In terms of like what constitutes a horror movie and kind of what they're expecting. And um, so a lot of times if you see divisive reviews uh, for movies like this, um, sometimes the division comes from like, you know, the, the horror community, maybe while critics are giving it good reviews. Um, so that's a thing that I've seen. It seems like a lot of the more up there critics like New York Times and stuff have been pretty favorable about this. And it's definitely making some noise. But I have seen some, you know, Rotten Tomatoes user reviews saying, don't believe the hype. It's totally boring. And but then again, I saw some very similar reactions to that film. I was talking about everyone's coming. Everyone's going to the World's Fair mm-hmm. and or we're all going to the World's Fair. And I. I loved that movie and did find it unsettling and it really didn't match up with the zeitgeisty thing, which is like kind of chronically online, you know, uh, Zennials or whatever that, uh, that could, group is called. Could you give everybody like the kind of the, the high level description of everybody's coming to the world's fair? Yeah, it's essentially, it's like a creepypasta kind of thing where you're experiencing it through the eyes and literally the webcam and these kind of confessional, you know, web diaries of this, of the the main protagonist. And there's this, this creepypasta challenge where you go online and you, you make a video where you say, we're all going to the World's Fair a bunch of times. And then you play this, like this weird kind of epilepsy inducing you know potentially uh video clip that's like the series of flashing lights and and the whole time i don't want to give anything away but you're not quite sure if like it's working and like she's kind of commenting on like she's feeling these transformations you don't really know what it's supposed to do but there's also these you know uh cutaways to other people doing the challenge and some of them clearly being made by folks that are like doing kind of cool DIY VFX kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, again, you don't know if some of these are supposed to be real. Some of them are clearly just good after effects work. And that's sort of the point. Um, but it progresses and, and it's a lot of like, is, is she, isn't she kind of, you know, actually turning into something demonic or whatever it might be. And that's all I'm going to say, but it is all shot through webcam footage and, uh, at some point, there's like some black light face paint stuff that really is unsettling. It's if you've seen the poster of the film, then that's uh, that's what you're seeing. And it's got a really cool soundtrack or score by the kind of indie artist Alex G. Um, and it's it's very it's it's just I loved it. I, I thought it was really cool, and I hope to love Skin and Marink as well because some folks that I uh, whose opinions I value did like it, but then some folks whose opinions I value also trashed it. So um, hard, hard to say. My understanding is that it's a highly disturbing uh almost intellectual depiction of childhood domestic abuse mm-hmm. and that like that's why i'm saying i don't want to see it because that that to me is probably the most horrifying thing i can imagine um I, I somehow bet that it like a lot of things happen off camera or are implied well especially given the budget and stuff but i i, I can't say because i have ben can you speak to without spoiling it like how graphic is it well there are um you know Hitchcock was right when he said keep the the monsters are scarier when they're off screen to a totally. large degree so there are um there are sections just as a trigger warning that hint it is about child abuse that's probably the best way to say it the most fair without spoiling um but also you might be saying hey folks why are you uh just talking about movies in a show that 
is for conspiracy realists and examines the stuff they don't want you to know. Well, I would posit that unfortunately, unfortunately for many people, uh, domestic abuse is a grand conspiracy. So while I understand 100% that this can be incredibly uncomfortable, and rightly so, it, it is also something that happens to people. And as such, I feel like should should be uh, explored. It's not for nothing, too, that we we, we try to do t- trigger warnings just around thematic content uh, that could just discussing something like this could be triggering for certain folks that may be experienced it without having to have any graphic descriptions at all. So even if a movie, you know, a, a good film and a good horror film kind of takes you psychologically to a place if maybe you're not signed up for that going in, even if there are no actual on-screen depictions of, of violence toward children, just the thematic elements of it, and if it's done well, could be troubling in a, in a way that you, you don't want to be a part of, you know? Um, and I think that's true of things like uh, films depicting uh, school shooters, for example. You know, while a lot of the maybe better ones... That stuff doesn't happen on screen at all. That stuff's it's, it's off screen. You know, the violence actually happens off screen, but it's still something very triggering for anyone because it's all about atmosphere, you know? And, and it seems to me like this movie is uh, Skinamarink, rather, and, and also World's Fair uh, are, are very atmosphere uh, driven films. And that, that's what you have to do with a micro budget like that. It's all about atmosphere. And that's, I think, to me, the magic of, of cinema when it's done, when it's done well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, you see. You see divisiveness in um, other other films that approach very uncomfortable things. We've I can't remember what we talked about it on air, but off air, uh, another film in the conspiracy horror genre is Hereditary, and Hereditary mm-hmm. is <laughs> <Ella> triggering. <laughs> yeah, because it because it was originally written entirely as a, as a harrowing story about a family trying to navigate and process grief when one of their children dies. Spoiler. And if you read interviews, the creator of that universe uh, is is pretty upfront by saying, look, I had this story. It's a very powerful, disturbing story about families navigating grief, and I couldn't sell it, so I made it a horror film and added supernatural elements. And I think to some folks hearing that, they might eye roll or something be like, oh, is you just shoehorned in all this spooky stuff? That is not what that movie is. I never would have known this or guessed that in a million years because it all just feels like it was, you know, crafted at once. You know, I think that movie is brilliant and brilliantly disturbing. And also some of the scariest parts in it aren't the the horrific scenes, which there are plenty of that are actually very gory and, 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 and violent. Yeah, dude. Who? But but just the the grief part, you know, the idea of losing a child, and, and the and, and just the absolute uh, unhinged grief that Tony Collette displays. I mean, and it's such a bummer that I mean, I don't give a crap about the Academy Awards. Really, it's just more of like a interesting metric for like movies that are you know that, that are doing cool stuff. But I'm more interested in maybe some of the lesser you know. European like film festivals that that maybe give stuff to stuff that's a little more deserving, but uh, Tony Collette should have been nominated for an Oscar for that performance. But the Academy don't mess with horror movies. Yeah, it's bizarre. You know what else should have gotten an Academy Award? What's that? Army mm. of Darkness. <laughs> Army of Darkness. Yes, the harrowing, nuanced uh, depiction of you know life in the modern industrial age. 
That's How right. much do we need machines before we become machines? Uh, right. Sir, that movie takes place in the medieval era. Okay. It does. I know. But... I know. It's like, I'm saying there are levels to it, <laughs> you know? Just like yeah. in, like you see it in its um, in its spiritual successor, the the unofficial sequel, Police Academy Four. Ah. Oh, all of those, yeah, those were snubbed by the Academy unfairly, I would say. But Army of Darkness is neat, though, and I would, I mean, I know you're kind of half joking, but like the style of VFX in that movie, and like the whole like Ray Harryhausen kind of nods, like with the, you know, what is it, Jason and the Argonauts, the kind of like hand done bespoke stop motion. It's it, it doesn't age well, but they do it. So such a way I mean, when I say it doesn't age well I mean in compared to like more modern stuff but it looks so cool because it's like real skeletons that are moving one little you know frame at a time and I just think it's great than all of the practical makeup effects and things that are in that movie Sam Raimi's awesome and then of course you know he went on to do all the big spider spider-man movies and stuff. I'm just so saying he, he, knew I, what he was doing I want to have some fun with my horror movies uh, you know, mm-hmm. I love existential horror. I love really scary things and monsters and all that stuff. I just don't want it to be like a like a full on all encompassing downer to the point where my brain Misery is fest. broken and <laughs> I'm just like, Ugh. I want it to be, yeah. you know, give me some sugar, baby, and those kind of one liners and all that stuff. Yeah, like come I on. love that. Like, like I I love slapstick horror. You know, The Shining, The Witch. <laughs> Uh, like the uh, Carnival of Souls, you know what I mean? Give me, give me some laughs. Pratt Falls, give me Pratt Falls. Right. No, those are, well, obviously, if anyone isn't aware, those are very intense, dramatic horror movies that Ben just named. Eye of the Beholder, um, whatever. Yeah, I mean, well, one that, that I was going to bring up uh, that is absolutely not for the faint of heart, but still uses all these practical effects. I think I maybe mentioned it briefly before. A Taiwanese horror film called The Sadness which is so over the top and cartoonishly gory that it eventually desensitizes you to it a bit. Um, And then they'll just up the ante, you know, even further. Uh, It is not for the faint of heart. Um, I I watched it with my girlfriend who has this rule that she'll never not watch a movie like to, to its completion. And this was apparently the biggest slog for her ever of anything that I've forced her to watch. Oh, I do the 10 minute rule. I give it 10 minutes. Yeah, and that's fair, but my partner can't do that. They okay. can't do that. All respect. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. Um, I, again, I don't believe in the sunk cost fallacy either, but that's just uh, differences in our personalities. And um, she did make it all the way through, but this is a, it's a zombie film where uh, the zombies are like mega, mega fast. And they aren't just mindless like flesh and brain seekers. They essentially become victim to the most despicable uh, violent impulses that any human being could be capable of. And the kicker is the name, the sadness comes from the fact that they, anyone that's, that's been infected, it's a virus situation infected by this, their real personality is somewhere deep down in there watching the whole thing. And so all of the zombies quote unquote are like weeping. And that is their internal voice of reason and, uh, and morality just being, horrified by what their body is doing well good night everybody thanks for listening uh we hope you sleep well uh (laughs) by the way if you started listening to this episode not knowing this was on the way oh your dreams Mm. send me send me descriptions of your nightmares (laughs) send it to us i want to hear about your dreams but only if they're scary (laughs) that's gonna be great out of context quote um we know a lot of us uh in in the audience today a lot of us 
are fans of horror. And, you know, sometimes critics will dunk on genre film, just like they'll dunk on, you know, genre books or whatever. But horror seems to play, I would say, an incredibly important role in human society. You know, it's a new way for people to explore things that are sometimes taboo, sometimes not spoken about. And it's a, it's a mirror that you can hold up to yourself, you know, which I, I don't know. It sounds like cliche. Let's, let's get out of here. Before I get all fortune cookie style. And I'm like, oh, the journey of the thousand films begins with, you know, the the first play button. Oh, my God. Never mind. No. (laughs) What are some of your favorite horror movies? Um, We'd love to know. I think we're all into it, invested in various ways. You can write to us. You can reach out to us in various ways as well. On the internet, for example, we are Conspiracy Stuff on Facebook, uh, on YouTube, and on Twitter. Conspiracy Stuff Show on Instagram and TikTok. And if you like to use your phone to call people, which is apparently not something many people like to do anymore, as I have learned from my colleagues. Sorry, guys. That's my bad. I like to call them way more than they're comfortable with me calling them. And it's okay. No, you're you're <laughs> fine. I have, I have a very short list. You're on it. And I, I think I sent you all that list one time. That's right. That's right. But if you like to do that, why not give us a call? Our number is 1-833-STDWYTK. When you call in, give yourself a nickname. And then you've got three minutes. Tell us whatever you'd like. But again, only three minutes. Please make sure to let us know if we can use your message and your voice on one of our listener mail episodes. And that's really it. If you don't want to call, why not instead send us a good old-fashioned email? We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. 
Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Gym Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.